Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but she kept, kept Mary as his wife. Father, may we have the faith of Joseph. In your name, amen. Joseph is one of the unsung heroes of God's plan of redemption. And it is strange to me that we know so very little. He was a descendant of David. We saw that in, in there, and we, and we can see that in the scriptures as well. A carpenter. But what else? I don't think the scripture records a single word that he said. Oh, but he was betrothed to Mary. You know, betrothal in the first century, it was very different from an engagement. A betrothal was actually a marriage, but the couple did not come together for a period of time. Betrothals were often arranged by parents for their children when they were very young, sometimes later on. How would that go over today? Not well, but you know why they did it? The families wanted to make sure that their children married well. It was a very familial culture that was focused on families. And when two people got married, you are bringing two families together. And that was what they did it. They did it for their protection, for their benefit, and for the strength of the family for a long time. And it, was very, and it was customary in that day when two people were betrothed, no matter what age they were, there was a period of time, a period of waiting. It could be months in those that were a little older, or it could be years for those who were uh, quite young. Obviously, they couldn't marry if they were three. But that happened. It really did. I'm really glad it didn't work out that way. My parents didn't know Betty when we met. Uh, her parents kind of, sort of knew me. I'm not sure that was a good thing. <laughs> but in any event, 
Uh, it wasn't arranged, and, and, uh, and one of our parents, one, wasn't all that in favor of it. So we didn't have to depend on their agreement, and it was a good thing for us. A betrothal was actually a ceremony. It was legal, where two people, if they were of the age of consent, would exchange their vows. And if they were too young, their parents would exchange vows. It's really different than today, right? But then at that point, it was written down in a document, it was filed with some sort of registry, and they were legally married from that point on. It isn't anything like today. And it was during that waiting period that Mary heard the message from the angel and went off to visit with Elizabeth. Not terribly unheard of, but when she came back, she was three months pregnant, and that had to be explained. All right, let me get this right, okay? An angel came to you and talked to you, right? Right. Okay, when was the last time that happened? Okay, and he told you that you were going to give birth to a son. Yeah. And he's going to be the Messiah? That's like crazy talk. Who would believe that? My heart goes out to her. It really does. Joseph, her parents, the village... Do you think anybody was going to believe it? Elizabeth believed it. But I don't think anybody else did, including Joseph. All right, show of hands. This is the interactive portion of the message. I don't do this all the time. How many of you are righteous? Wow, man, that's really slow. Really? That's it? All right, let me go back again. I've said this multiple times during Advent. Righteousness is not something we do. It is something that we are given by faith. How many people are righteous here? Oh, a few more hands. So if you get one lesson out of Advent this year, it is what is righteousness, and it's not about what I do. Righteous acts that I might do, they flow out of the righteousness that God has given me by faith. And that was Joseph's problem. I used a different translation this morning because the other translations all said just, and that doesn't say the same thing to me. It might be an okay translation of the word, but the word is most often translated from Greek into English as righteous. Joseph was a righteous man. Standing before God, he was righteous because he believed. It was something that was given. It was objective. It had nothing to do with what he did. And his problem is that in the first century... A woman who became pregnant during the betrothal, but not yet uh, living together, she would have been considered an adulterer. 
there would have been a public trial. And according to Deuteronomy 22, she would have been stoned to death along with Joseph because everybody assumed that he was the father. Because he... But he wasn't. But Joseph, you know, he had a problem. The problem is that though he was a righteous man, and in this particular situation, his behavior was also righteous, he was a man of compassion. He loved her. He didn't want to shame her, and he certainly didn't want to hurt her. So, solution, send her away. Get a divorce, make it really quiet, go see the magistrate, maybe after hours, you know, sign the papers, and then we're done. A quiet divorce, no charges, no trial, no public humiliation, and no stones. And then her parents can send her away, or take her away. Maybe she could go back to Elizabeth. That was probably far enough away. The distance from Nazareth to Judea, where um, we believe Zechariah and Elizabeth lived, was about 80 miles. And when you're figuring about doing it on foot, eh, that's probably far enough. And everybody will just forget about it. See, the problem is that Joseph had a lot to lose. He would have lost his reputation if he agreed to marry her in her current condition. It would be assumed that he was just manning up and he's going to make it okay because both of them had misbehaved. But not only that, he would lose his business. In those days, people had nothing to do with adulterers. Nothing. No business, no reputation. It would have been really bad news. But as he was thinking about it, then the Lord spoke again. It's been 400 years, and now it's the third time in, what, nine months that God has spoken again out loud to people. If I go through with this marriage, it's all going to be gone. And it's going to haunt me the rest of my life. And I believe it probably did. Because that's how the culture was. And we know that there are points in time in the Gospels where people referred to Jesus as a son of fornication. John chapter 8 was one that comes to mind. So you know that if Jesus has still got that label at age 30 plus, what were they doing? How were they treating Joseph and Mary? And then the angel said, no fear. 
That's the literal translation of the Greek. It is no fear. It wraps into that all, instead of stopping, it is like, stop now. Stop being afraid. All these things that you're afraid of, I've got this. And that's what the angel of the Lord said. Stop it. No fear. Not anymore. Take Mary, your wife. And the original language doesn't say as your wife. It says take your wife, Mary. She was already his wife. It was just a matter of taking her into his home. And the angel is saying, just do it. Why? Because this is not somebody else's child. It is the child of the Most High God, Messiah. And he's going to save his people. Not from the oppression of the Romans. Not from he, the, the corruption of the, uh, the, the leaders of Israel, both the secular leaders and also the religious leaders. He is going to save his people from their sins. This child, the one that you will protect as your own, He is the Son of God. God spoke. And Joseph took the risk. We've been talking about how God has spoken through this series in Advent this year. And this is God speaking again. To a regular everyday guy, a business owner, a carpenter. Many people have envisioned him as being poor, barely making it. I don't envision that at all. I envision a guy that had a thriving business. We're free to do that because God doesn't really say. He had a lot to lose. But God spoke, and he took the risk. He risked it all because God spoke. You know, all of us hit those places where God is speaking, but we're afraid. And I'm betting that you're thinking about one of those times right now. I've got a whole bunch of them that have come to mind in the last week or two. And some of them I failed. I didn't take the risk. And now I can look back and say, I wonder. But then there were those times when God spoke and we took the risk. And the blessings mount up upon blessings, and I can't explain why that is. I didn't take the risk. I didn't do say yes because of the blessing. I said it because of who spoke. God is speaking to you right now. He is all the time. But he's speaking to you. And I am inviting you to trust him 
Take that righteousness that he has given to you by faith. Trust him and take the risk. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the unsung heroes of redemption. A man who took the risk, became a father of a son that was not his, became the protector who would not give up, would not give in, though tested every day. He took the risk because you spoke. And I pray, Lord, that if you're not speaking just yet to some of us, I ask you to speak now and then give us the faith to say, yes, I will take that risk. Thank you in your name. Amen.